a podcast brought to you by Energy Live News. It's Friday. It's four o'clock. It's Short Fuse. I hope you are well and had a good week. We've had a bit of a crisis in the office because Alex has done something so disgusting, none of us can believe it. He took two biscuits and he put some jam in in between them. Claims it's a jammy dodger homemade. Um, Shout out this week to... Now, this is a very unusual shout-out because Kevin Corgan's watching, but this is quite good. Shout-out to all the losers who went to the President's Club. Oh, dear. Boys, you went to a club where you manhandled women and you thought that they were pieces of meat. And then you got found out and then your club went away. Don't think you can get much sympathy from anyone. Wouldn't happen at an ELN event, that's for sure. Especially not with Kev about. Anyway... So just to let you know what's coming up, we'll be going through our stories and everything like that. But also I have got to tell you about our special speaker uh, for the Energy Live Future Conference. And that'll all come back later. Right. Let's move on to our story of the week. So, OMG, the Russians are coming. Now, if you're an old person, older, not old like myself, you'll have grown up. Uh, in the 80s when we were all terrified of nuclear war and the big evil was obviously Russia and we had films like uh, Red Heat and all this sort of stuff that was all about kind of, yay, commies are coming. Uh, Gavin Williamson, our Defence Secretary, seems to be suffering from a bit of 80s uh, hype because he thinks the Russians are coming to kill us as well. (gasps) Not kill us directly, but kill us by affecting our energy supply. He believes thousands of deaths will occur because the Russians will attack our energy infrastructure. He told the Telegraph, or who else would he tell, obviously, uh, that he thinks that Moscow has probably been spying on our gas and electricity services and that our interconnectors, uh, the interconnectors are the big pipes that go between the UK and mainland Europe and all over the place, they're particularly vulnerable. Uh, He says, oh, they won't be landing landing craft and tanks and they, I can't remember what the Russian tank is, the T something, it won't be one of those. Uh, it'll just be power chaos and they will all kill each other and turn into rabid sort of zombies. Okay, let's look at this story. Probably there is some truth that Russia's probably doing a bit of spying because Russians love a bit of spying and even last week we had a, a couple of RAF jets scrambled around. But to really think that they're going to go and wipe out our energy system, I think, uh, is a little uh, of a tall tale. Yes, we need to be aware. Obviously, energy for any kind of terrorist organisation is a target. We all know that. I think the whole government knows that and the energy companies know that. And we've had issues with cyber terrorism. But I think the kind of blowing up that they're all coming out to get us and, you know, cut off our power and that's, you know, we're all going to be starting eating tins of, you know, dog food. I think that's probably pushing it a little far. Okay, on to the next story, which is also a little bit far. This is Labour and Labour's idea, which you probably heard at the end of last year, about let's take energy back, let's renationalise everything water, energy, phones, air, everything. So, um, the Centre for Policy Studies, disclaimer here, they are a right wing think tank. So you might say this is exactly what they'd say, but they've worked out that it'll cost about 55 billion, get that number in your head, to uh, renationalise just energy and wider, sort of the grid and things like that, around about 306 billion. Now, they also say once you've done it all, 
is it really going to make a difference to the consumer? There's the phone, it's going because we're a busy office. But Labour have said no. They think that actually it won't cost anything. Why do they say that? Because they say that actually if you took the profits that all the big energy companies and the grid and all of those people make, UK Power, Power Networks, all the grid companies and all of the uh, suppliers, if you took all of that out and you suddenly said everyone is just owned by us, the people, then that profit that they're paying would take out the costs. You can make your mind up. I personally don't think that you'll be able to do it. And I also think that the cost of it to the consumer, let alone the cost of actually all of the legal uh, kind of uh, processes involved in taking back companies that have been now private for Ooh, best part of 25 years, nearly 30 years, and then suddenly try and get them to be, you know, uh, owned by the state and who takes them over. I think it's, uh, it's, it's, it's just not going to be done. And finally in this section, it is the last straw for Costa. Last year they said that if you want a straw, you have to ask for a straw. A bit like asking for a cigarette. Can I have a straw? Now they're saying that we're not going to have any straws at all. Later this year, they're going to ban them and they're going to have a an alternative non-plastic straw. I don't want to know what that's made of, but anyway, part of it is for its greener commitments and all that. All good, uh, it's a good thing to do, but really I also wonder, unless you're sort of, you know, under the age of six, why do you need a straw? Tell me about it. Alex is laughing, it's true, isn't it? Why the hell does an adult need a straw? Yeah, unless you've got no teeth or something's gone wrong, yeah? You don't need a straw. People, put your straws away. Let your kids have straws. There aren't that many kids, all right? The kids will have a straw, that's fine. You should not be having coffee through a straw. If you are already, you're a bit of a loser. So, killing away your straws, I think, good on them. Anyway, that's it. There'll be more stories later. You can shout abuse. You can use all the Twitter stuff that's going on in our email. Uh, but let's move on to our viewpoint this week. Coal. Okay, so this week's viewpoint is all about coal and is coal dead. We haven't actually talked about coal since we've started doing short views because it's just one of those devil things, isn't it now? Oh my God, coal, you evil, evil, evil people. And yet you're probably watching this on something powered by a bit of coal. So uh, whatever we say, coal is being used here in the UK and all around the world. And this week, our Johnny managed to get himself smartened up, and you'll see a bit of it later, uh, smartened up, wearing a suit, because he went to meet Andre Borgi, the CEO of a company called Minergy. Now, what they're looking at is they're exploring uh, coal reserves in Botswana, and they think that there is so much coal there that they could mine around 390 million tonnes of it, and they want to sell it to other developing nations. Now, Botswana gets a lot of its energy, funnily enough, imported from South Africa. So he's not saying that Botswana would need the coal for, for energy, but he would use some of it, but he would put it out. So um, I'll show you a clip in a minute. We'll play it in a second. But, you know, if you listen to the argument, he is saying it's all very well for the West and for developed nations to talk about get rid of coal. But it makes no sense in somewhere like Africa. Let's uh, have a, a clip from Andre. Well, you've got to look at the, there's, two, there's two facets here. You've got to look at the developed nations and the developing nations. The developing nations can't afford 
nuclear power, uh, the cost, the capital cost of alternatives to coal is just massive. Developed nations, they develop their countries on fossil fuels. Uh, now they've got the money to move on to renewables and or any other type of baseload capacity. The developing nations can't do that. If you look at Africa, Africa needs power. 600 million people have not got power in Africa. Your cheapest source of, of, of power is coal-fired. You need baseload power. Um, if you use solar off-grid, in other words, you want to power one house and they want to put a few solar panels, yes, that can help, but only when the sun shines. If the sun's not shining, uh, you, you haven't got power. So you've got to go back to the baseload. It shines quite a lot in Africa, though. Uh, not, not all the time, but uh, what, do you, what are you going to do at night? Where are you going to get your power from at night? You can't have refrigerators. Everything they are starved of, refrigerators, all of that sort of thing, which needs power uh, around the clock. What are they going to do at night? Interesting thoughts. And I actually think I agree with what he said. Because if you look at it, you know, my family's from India, and India, China, and they are big, powerful developing nations. You know, you could say superpowers, in fact. They are looking at coal. So for countries such as those in Africa and other parts of the world where the resource might well be used, why shouldn't they use it? And his comment there that, you know, the West, you know, developed nations got rich and got developed on the back of fossil fuels is absolutely true. So although <laughs> let's let's be honest, coal isn't a great thing and we globally all know that and Johnny will be talking a bit about some of the developments uh, around coal other stories this week later on but what Andres is saying and I kind of understand it is where you have coal and it makes sense then you should use it and one other thing that came out and you can watch the whole interview on our site is that he talked about this new type of well it's not new he said it's been going for many years We've heard of carbon capture and clean coal. Well, there's a way that coal can be uh, used, which is, they call it high temperature, what's it called, Johnny? Uh, high efficiency, low emissions coal. There you go, high efficiency, low emissions coal. And what that is, is basically, what they're saying is they take the, key, uh, the coal, they uh, burn it in a way that it produces less of the pollutants and less of uh, the CO2. In fact, it reduces the level of emissions of coal to be on parity with gas and we're all burning gas because we know all think that gas and it is cleaner than coal so it's an interesting take because here in in the west and you could say there's, a, there's been a global move against coal in terms of rhetoric but there hasn't been a global move away from coal in terms of power not yet so what's uh, has been said by this company minergy and you know they're idea of going to Botswana and uh, you know blasting and looking for this coal you could say it's the wrong thing to do but you could also say that if you're one of the millions of Africans as he mentioned uh, in the video who don't have regular power why shouldn't they have it why, why should we be lecturing them on emissions when they just want to have a fridge they want to have clean water they want pumps that work and that power comes from coal so that's my view uh, agree, disagree, drop us a line, write to us at fuse at energylivenews.com. And now, oh my God, I've trailed him enough. He did look smart before, he certainly won't be now. It's the Hack Hutch. Hello. 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 Now, that clip there, you're looking smart. You're smart look, enough for those. Why, why are you looking like this? I always look smart. Anyway, um, it was interesting, wasn't he? 
It was. It was very interesting. What did you pretty, think um, of what he said? Uh, well, I expected to turn up and uh, grilling. He would be a classic coal guy. I don't know if that's if I'm classic allowed to say guy. that. Yeah. Okay. Uh, but denying climate change yeah. and just saying, you know, coal doesn't damage the environment, so we should go ahead with it. But he actually gave a lot more balanced viewpoint than that. Uh, where you did try and interrogate him. I tried, yeah. yeah and, um, see, we yeah, fight so. the greeno card as well as listening to coal people. <laughs> yeah, but, uh, but in, in essence, I mean, you've actually been to Botswana, haven't you? And you've been to bits of Africa. I know that a long time ago. Yeah. yeah. And what are you saying? Oh uh, well, they don't. Yeah, there are obviously lots of people there living in quite simple accommodation, using petrol generators and stuff like that that don't have reliable access. Um, so yeah, I think he's right, and the coal that we use is under their ground anyway, so they probably have more of a right than we do. Oi, oi. Uh, talking about coal. Uh, yeah, talking about coal uh, and the rhetoric and whether it's uh, actually going to do anything, but France has basically, uh, they had said they're going to phase out coal. Um, like in England, we said we're going to phase out coal, unabated coal, from 2025. Yeah. Uh, that's coal without CCS technologies. Uh, France actually had a slightly better target where they said they were going to do that in 2023. But now they're going to do that in 2021. So they're bringing 2021. it forward, apparently. But, um, a Three years' time. Yeah, but according to the statistics that I read earlier that I believe are correct. Yes. Um, according to RTE, so the distribution yeah. operator in, in France, uh, they said that the mix of coal in French generation system is only 1% at the moment. So it is actually quite low. Yeah, because anyway. they've got a, a, a load of nuclear. That's yeah. exactly why. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So it shouldn't. It, maybe it's more symbolic for them. Um, Fair but, enough. Yeah. Okay, next thing that caught your eye this week? Uh, again in 2021, uh, so Did you? yeah, in 2021 it's everything's going green. Because uh, in the UK, basically, you're going to be able, supposedly, to walk into any shop or retailer or restaurant or council building and say, oh, can I fill up my water, please, for free? Uh, and supposedly all these places are going to have to do that. Now we've covered this a bit. You've already, you've been, you went down to Borough Market. We did a film about it yeah. the, the last year. Yeah. And a... the, the, obviously Sadiq Khan has talked about mm. this in London, but now it's what nationwide a name. Well, yeah, it's a movement basically to reduce plastic waste. Uh, so instead of buying a bottle of, you know, Volvic or Evian or whatever else brand Other you, brands. you like buying, yes. uh, you would have a metal bottle or a permanent plastic bottle that you constantly use and you just fill it up every day. Uh, so there's water fountains in Borough Market that they installed a while ago for that. That's spreading across London, but then this latest one is uh, actually spreading water fountains across the country and also this kind of go into any shop and fill up your water from there. I think that's a flipping good idea. Why not? Water should be there. And why, why do we need to keep using these bottles? So I'm, I'm up for that. Yeah. And finally, bit of space. Uh, yeah, we always like a space one. We do. And so uh, this latest one is NASA basically has successfully tested um, I don't know how you know how in depth the test is because they haven't been able to go to Mars and try it out. Yeah, but they're they tested <laughs> in a uh, cyber world of control. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Go on. Computer modeling, probably. Yeah. Uh, but there's mini nuclear power plants, and they're each about this tall what? and this wide. Um, so yeah, they're quite tiny. Bigger than R2D2. Smaller than R2D2. Yeah, smaller, I think. But then I think they want to put about six of them together, and I think each one provides about 10 kilowatts of power. And they basically are going to be one day, hopefully, on a spaceship to Mars. Uh, so we're, when we're setting up our colony, uh, they can power our, uh, power us to grow plants and stuff like that. If you've seen the film The Martian, I have seen the film The Martian. Basically, going to power us. It involves to do poo that. Yeah. and potatoes. Yeah, it does. Which is quite good, actually. Um, okay, that's all good. Anything yep. else? Pre's back, but she's working from home this week. Hi, Pre. You've uh, gotten into shade. <laughs> He's actually produced more stories this week. Well done.
Uh, yep, so the only other thing really is you can contact us as always at stories at energylivenews.com. Uh, if you've got any stories you think we should read or you need to get in touch with anything, send us an email and we'll pick that up. So. And I'm going to send him out filming. So if you have any films that you want, places that you really wouldn't want to send any other human being, Jonathan Bester will go, won't you? Sewer Fatbergs. Sewer Fatbergs. He's want. up for it. So uh, if you're out there and you've got something quite distasteful you'd like him to do, I'd love I'm, to go. I'm more than happy. Cheers, Jonas. Cheers. Lovely. Thank you very much. Okay. Well, as Johnny mentioned, um, I'll be giving some dates in a minute, but I can't not pick up on that link about Mars because dun dun dun, we have coming to be the headline speaker at our Energy Live Future event in uh, June. On June the seventh, we have Baz Lansdrop. He is the CEO of Mars One. So let's talk to him about that. Where will he get his power? He made his um, uh, fortune, he's a billionaire, made his money from uh, renewable energy, he's worked in that field, but he is now about to try and get us to Mars. And exactly what Johnny Story said, talking about nuclear reactors in there, we'll be talking about power. We'll be looking at where power will go. Will some of the technology that people like NASA, uh, people like SpaceX run by Elon Musk and even the Mars One mission, will some of that actually come to us here? And we'll be using ways of capturing uh, energy far better. So that's a date for your diary, June the 7th, if you're an energy end user. And let me show you a calendar of other events we've got coming up. Uh, first of all, we have got our Energy Live uh, Consultants Conference, which is um, on March the 22nd up in Manchester. Uh, loads of you have already registered for that. Keep going. We've probably got room for about another 50 more, uh, but um, please uh, let Jeff or Freddie know. You've got their emails. Uh, we've got some great stuff going on about that, about the future role of TPIs. Then, obviously, as I've already mentioned, we have the 7th of June, Energy Live Future. And then on the 28th of June, we have Telka, of course. The award-winning Telka, the best awards event in the country. Right, that's about it. Uh, any shout-outs? Have we got any messages? Yeah, we have one from Kevin. And Kevin Corcoran. <laughs> what have you said, Kevin? I definitely need a straw. You know where you can put that straw, Kevin? And I'll tell you one thing, because we have just booked going to Vegas, right? And Kevin Corcoran, right, I know what will happen when he goes to Vegas. He's going to go be like, yeah, man, I'm going to do things in Vegas. He's going to do nothing. He's going to call up his wife every day and say, I'm doing nothing. I'm having a sandwich. In I'm having a bit of And he will be in bed by half seven. That's exactly what's going to happen. Uh, any other shout outs? No? Keep watching, people. We'll have more stuff to go. Uh, right, before we go, our and finally, and this is a cracker. So London this week has launched its first electric taxi. Oh, yes. So um, a cabbie, uh, a guy called David Harris from Chingford. Where else would he be from if he's a cabbie? He ha he's the man who's got hold of our first electric taxi in London. Uh, it claims it can save him about £500 a month on his fuel and has a range of 80 miles. Whether any of that savings will come to us as punters, who knows? But the real question is, will his banter be electric? Come on, Alex, that was quite good. <laughs> you see, that's not bad. Uh, ladies and gents, thank you very much. Uh, thanks for listening. If you're listening on the podcast, uh, Short Fuses every Friday at four o'clock. We hope you have a great weekend from me and the boys. Adios. Thank <laughs> you.